0: Today we continue in our study on the Gospel of Matthew. If you have been following like from last week, you will wonder why it's so random we jump. Uh, If you have missed the point that we do have a podcast, a daily podcast, and you can find it on the website. Um, So every Sunday we have a longer passage. And usually on Sunday it will be a passage that will introduce more of what comes the week. And then each day, a little passage also from Gospel of Matthew that will um, actually reinforce and highlight um, the lessons. What's most important is that we keep reading the Word of God. And so, um, hence, I thought, let's do that every day. Um, but I decided to take Saturday off because, uh, well, just need a rest. La. LAUGHTER <laughs> But let's turn now to Matthew chapter 4, and we'll read from verse 1 to 17. Matthew chapter 4, 1 to 17. Let's pray. Father, speak to us your wonderful words, words that give us life, that as we know you more through your Son, Jesus Christ, as we know you more from your actions, from the things you do, you have done, and the things you continue to do, that our faith in you may grow strong. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 4, 1-17 Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendour. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee, Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfil what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Some years ago, a friend of mine invited me to a dining called Dining in the Dark. It was um, something, a project of the Singapore Association of the Visually Handicapped. And there we were breathed first and then walked through two curtains, I think. It was 100% darkness. And we were then invited to sit and breathed on how to drink our water and how to eat our food and all that. Well, it started easy. I mean, getting a drink was easy. You just put your cup to your mouth. Dessert was, I mean, the appetizer, the soup was easy too. You just spoon the soup. But when it came to the main course, we weren't told what food we would be getting. And we were just asked to feel around for our knife and our fork. We started feeling around the plate. It seemed easy at first. But after a while, it seemed like we were getting no food into our mouths Um, It was quite a despairing effort. I mean, you thought that you had peas, but it wasn't beans. It wasn't peas. It was, I don't know what it was, but we kept spooning with our fork and nothing seemed to come into our mouths. We tried cutting, but didn't know where to cut. You know, after a while, we felt kind of despairing, like before eat. Then the lights came on and we realised that we actually had a full meal. We thought it was a trick, but we actually had our full meal, except that the whole meal was on the table and some on the floor. As we, as we debriefed, we expressed how we felt. Some felt discomfort, some of course quite you know, very tough, but still couldn't get anything. I think two of the feelings were first anxiety, like, what is happening? But the other feeling was that of despair. Because after a while of trying to cut meat that didn't seem to exist, um, put, put what you thought was fries but actually was mashed potatoes, and most of the time scattering your food all over the table and onto your, neighbors, on, your on your neighbors' shirts and, and clothes, you kind of feel that sense of despair. We realise then that living in the dark is really quite despairing. The passage tells us in verse, verse 16, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. What the Bible describes us in our lives is that of darkness and despair, great anxiety, great despair, because we don't know what comes, what is happening. We don't know what we are working towards. Most of the time, we are flailing in the dark. And then, it says, "But they have seen the great light, and the light has dawned." When Jesus overcame three temptations, he gave hope. To the people, allow the people to see a bit more clearly that God is with them. And these three temptations were important because they describe to us what is our most greatest tendency, but also what draws us or drags us away from God. And these are the three temptations. The first is that we focus more on our food, on our appetites, on our material, than on the than on the words of God, than on God himself. We focus more on our appetites, our hunger, our physical needs, more of our physical delights and our material things than on God. Jesus was fasting for 40 days. After 40 days of fast, the main thing in your minds is, where can I get food? I often joke with people that I'd rather fast and think of God than to feast I'd rather feast and think of God than fast and think of food. Because when you're fasting, your mind is always focused on the food. And so after 40 days of fasting, Jesus was thinking probably of food, or so the devil thought, but most of us would. And the devil then said, now use the power and authority of God. You are the son of God. Use that power to create food for yourself. I don't think Jesus had any problems with food at all. In fact, twice in his, at least twice in his ministry, he saw people who were hungry and he fed them. First 5,000, then 4,000 people. But along the way, he also saw the needy and he kept saying, feed them, care for them. He taught them. And so Jesus had nothing against eating. But the temptation was about turning full focus on his hunger and thinking of nothing else. Because when all of you is thinking of food, and of your comforts, and of your material things. And then you stop finding out about God, and how good God is. Once again, we are drawn away from God. And when we are drawn away from God, our hope leaves us. We don't know who takes care of us. We don't know what comes in the future. And when things come, we don't know what to do. Jesus says that your life is sustained not sustained by food alone. It doesn't mean that it's not sustained by food at all. Jesus was not averse to that. But Jesus was saying that there is something far more important and that is by what God describes himself, by the word of God. The word of God has to do with how God describes himself, it has to do with how God, our Creator, tells us our life should be like and how it can be lived fully. Jesus said, the Son of Man came that you may have life and that you may have it abundantly. Meaning that when Jesus tells us what to do, it's not so that he's a strict father who says, you must do A, B, C, but rather that these are the instructions for your life, that your life may be full. And so the Word of God tells us, describes God to us. And so it's important that we Read the Bible, which is why I wanted this Daily Devotions podcast to encourage us. I know many of us find it sometimes hard to understand the Word of God, hard to pray. And I thought a short podcast at least will help us to read the Word, listen to the Word of God, allow some truths of God to reach us. But let's not take this as the gold standard. Continue, continue studying the Word of God, allowing God to describe himself. Because the more we allow God to describe Himself, the more secure we feel. We discover how God really cares for His people. Keep looking, learning, reading the Word of God. Because that is what sustains us. You know, one of the real great dangers is as we enter the rat race and we continue the rat race, it is a serious problem. It's no condemnation of that, but it is a serious problem because the more we rush into working for ourselves, the more inside we feel empty. Have you ever thought, realised that sometimes the richer we get, the more anxious we are? And I'm not talking about the very rich, I'm talking about us, simple people. When you had nothing you could give quite freely, and yet when your bonuses come and your promotions come, suddenly those little bits, you say, wow, so little extra, must keep that extra. When you didn't have that extra, it didn't bother you. You were happily helping others and giving to others. But the moment more money came, suddenly it became tighter, more anxious, wondering what will happen to our extra. When we focus, place our focus on our food, on our our wealth, on our material things, we become more anxious and more despairing. We worry more about our future. What happens to more money? Life loses its peace, and so it is important then that we realize that when we know God, God gives us that peace. That is where life really is. The second temptation is that we often judge God by whether He answers our prayers or not. We judge God by whether He answers our prayers. Or not. The devil took Jesus to the top of a to the highest point of the temple, meaning that this is the most religious point. And then said, "You know, it is promised, and that's found in Psalm ninety-one about how God cares for His people. It is promised that if you were, He would command His angels concerning you, they would lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone." It's a promise to the people. It's a promise of God's care and concern for the people. And he said, well, you are the son of God. Even more important, don't you think that if you were to jump, God will always answer you and God will always save you? And Jesus said, don't test God like this. Because if your faith depends on letting God do things always for you, then you will still live insecurely. A man doted on his baby daughter very much. One of the things that the daughter and he loved was to, to carry, that he loved was to carry the daughter and the daughter enjoyed it. As the daughter grew a little older, still couldn't speak, she would just raise her hands like that and he would pick her up. And everywhere they went, he would carry her. Each time she raised her hands, he would pick her up and take her. And she would point there and then he would take the baby and take her. By the time he was, she was two, he realised that she was hardly able to walk. That was a big handicap. Other kids were running and this girl would just lift her hands and he would lift her up and carry her here and carry her there. On long walks, he would be the one carrying her and she wouldn't walk. And sometimes he would put her down a little and then she would raise her hands again and he would carry her. And then he realised that he had to make her walk. So when she lifted her hands, he said, walk. And She started to cry and became distressed. But there were other things that she did. He had to do. For example, you used to feed the baby, but when she opened the mouth, he said, eat yourself, feed yourself. When she wanted things, he started saying to her, no, I can't do it. And at one point, when this very precocious girl was three, she said to her father, "Dad, the older I get, the less you love me. And he said, why do you say that? And she said, when I was baby, you carried me, you fed me, you bathed me. Now you tell me, do everything yourself. Surely you have loved me far less. How true that is in our lives too. Have you noticed how when you first became a Christian, there were so many miracles that God seemed to answer. Every time you pray, God gives you something. And then as you grew more mature, you got to know God more. It seemed like God became more distant. Do yourself. Find it out yourself. I'm not telling you, use your brains. You want to make a difficult decision about your work and God is completely silent. And you wonder, God, I pray and pray and you say nothing. It's almost as though God is distant. And if we were to judge God by how He answers our prayers, we would say, God doesn't love me anymore. A friend of mine lost a job a year ago. After one year, she was still looking for a job. And she was wondering, Has God? does God actually exist? Has God lost His love for me? Has God abandoned me? You see, when we judge God by whether He answers our prayers just by that criterion, We become very insecure because one moment we get all our answers pressed answered, and you say, "Praise the Lord, the Lord is loving." And the next moment we don't, we hit a hard spot, and God seems silent, and you say, "God no longer loves me," and that draws us away from God. But God does love us, and we cannot then have God on our on demand. God, you do this. God, you do that. Because God and His love will not want to pamper us until, until we become helpless, like a parent with a child. I know this is difficult because there are people, a friend of mine, is going through more and more problems and we struggle together. But it will be devastating if at one point we say God no longer cares because then who do we turn to? If we say God no longer cares, then we have no hope at all. But if we gather together and say, let's continue to pray, let's hope, let's hold each other and believe that there will be a better day. When together as a community, we support each other, doing it alone is hard because if God doesn't seem to answer our prayers, then where do we turn? But when as a community, we hold each other and say, it's tough, let's keep praying, let's keep hoping, let's believe that God still loves us. There is also a point when we turn back and we look at how God has been kind, how God has blessed us. And then we hold to that hope that God loves us. And even in that love for us, He allows us to go through times when He seems to be silent. But if we were to do otherwise, if we were to judge God and say, well, God no longer loves me, then we really will despair. We will return to darkness. Because what can we see? if God is no longer there. The third temptation had to do with whether you obey, whether you serve the devil, or you serve God. Whether you do it the devil's way, or you do it God's way. Jesus, The devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendour. All this I will give you, that's verse 8. He said, if you will bow down and worship me, Jesus said to him away from me Satan for it is written worship the Lord your God and serve him only The devil took Jesus up to that mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor Now did you know that this splendor this nations of the world was promised to God Jesus would have it anyway but at what cost You see in Revelation chapter 21 verse 24 it says that at the end of time in New Jerusalem, nations, kings and nations and rulers will bring the nations and bring all the splendour before God. Exactly what these words were. They will bring, the kingdoms of the world will bring the splendour to Jesus. But what the devil was offering was this. Have it a short way. Have it an easy way. Do the shortcut. If you bow down to me, follow my style. My style of violence, my style of deceit, my style of Forcing people, being cruel to people, hurting people. You will get it real fast. Jesus' way was that he became a servant to all. He came to sacrifice, slowly persuading and then sacrificing himself. At the end of the day, the nations will bring their splendour to him. It's a difference about how you get all that you want. You could either deceive people, force people, coerce, threaten, be harsh, or you could build the way of Jesus, the servant way. And so in Philippians 3, God said, therefore God has raised Jesus up, that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. You see, the reason why I You say, I will obey the law because the law says so. And you know, all of us are masked and all that because the law says so. And we will obey our earthly rulers. But what makes us adore a king? What makes us adore Jesus? If someone is powerful, we will have to listen. We will have to obey because if we don't, we will be punished. But what makes us bring our hearts to worship, bring our hearts to really adore? And that's because God in all his power would take no power of his own and offer himself as a sacrifice for us instead. He left his throne. He left all that he had to give himself for us. When a king gives himself to us when we least deserved it, that's what wins our allegiance and our love. It's no longer by fear, but by love, by gratitude, by allegiance. And so Jesus eventually would have the kingdoms of the world and the splendour brought to him, but not by force but because he gave himself up for each person and so everyone will willingly gratefully joyfully bring all that we have to him but it's an alarming trend often we saw among the christians in recently in washington that that big big thing riots in washington where people were waving banners of jesus saves and so does trump i mean it's like believe in Jesus believe in Trump and it's almost like believe in Jesus and have rifles and kill but that is that is what christianity has been has has become and is beginning to do but it's the same even in us in our church in singapore that often we think of triumphalism that we We Christians are the most influential. We Christians have more money than others. We Christians are more than others. We gather together to show a force. Is that really necessary? Is that the way of Christ? When Pink Dot had the rally, we encouraged everyone to wear white. Really? Do you want to hit like that? Does that really help? But personally then, do we get what we want by force? Pushing people around? Or do we do it the way of Christ, gently persuading, offering ourselves and serving each other? Do we do it quietly and saying, well, you disagree with me, let me listen. Let me understand you. Let me talk with you. And if I have to, let me give in to you because you are my brother, because I am your servant. How does that work in our homes? By force, by pushing our Family around How does it work at, do, How does this principle work at work? Do we do it a hard way? all the time? Is there a better way? A way of sacrifice, a way of persuasion, a way of giving in, a way of servanthood. So at the end of the day, Jesus had to choose: Do I do it the devil's way, of pushing my weight around, of lying to people, getting what I want at all costs? Or do I do it God's way, letting Him decide and going to the cross to pay for that? It's one of the hardest challenges for us. And yet in our daily examples, we may see that it works very often. Tomorrow we'll talk about the beatitudes. No, sorry, it's not tomorrow. Wednesday, we'll talk about the beatitudes and our devotions. Blessed are the meek, for theirs is the kingdom, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Think of that. Think of how stupid, how crazy that sounds. The ones who don't fight back, the ones who give in, they will inherit the earth. And how does that happen? Only happens when we turn to God and we say, God, this is your fight. This is yours to do. At the end of the day, when we do it the devil's way, it draws us away from God because it makes us so anxious. I must get this and I must get that at all costs. And we think of how to strategize, how to betray, how to, how to scheme our way to get our way. We don't have very much peace. When we lose, that's terrible. Even when we win, we don't feel satisfied. But when we say, God, I will do it your way, and I will learn to trust in you. This is your fight. This is your problem. Let me rest in you and do you do as you please. Jesus went a long way and along the way it didn't seem like he was going to win. He wasn't, it didn't seem at all like he was going to win the kingdoms and the splendour. He was going to be condemned and judged and mocked and crucified. And often that way doesn't seem to be the right way, the smart way, the sensible way. But the way of God Instead of submission to God and letting God handle it. And it works best in the environment of love when we love even those who hurt us. And so each of these temptations will draw us away from God and overemphasis on our material things to the detriment of knowing God. We stop knowing God. It's so easy, isn't it, when we are busy and then we forget we don't want to spend time reading the Bible, knowing God. It's not sin. Basically, it's not sin if you don't, but it's going to be destructive. It's going to lead you to greater despair. You stop knowing God. Or we test God by saying, we judge God by saying, how much does God answer my prayers now? Someone once wrote, don't, only, don't regret not having your prayers answered. Rejoice at the many Things, blessings that you receive without even praying. Open our eyes to see how God blesses us each day and know that God loves you. And finally, the hard one, don't do it the devil's way. Do it God's way, the way of love, the way of forgiveness, the way of sacrifice. Let us pray. Father, these are such hard sayings and yet they are so true to us. Because Lord, as we think about what you teach us in these three three temptations, we realise how true they are, how easily we are drawn away from you and how that leads to darkness and despair. So God, we ask, help us to love your word, not to read your word as a duty or as a ritual, but to read your word because in your word you tell us how much you care for us. Help us then, Lord, to go into your word and allow you to speak truth into our lives. Because, Lord, all that you want is for us to live our lives abundantly. And God, then we ask too that you show, allow us, you teach us how to know that you love us even when we don't get the things that we want. Sometimes it's difficult. Father, open our eyes, open our eyes to see how you order our lives and you love us very much. Most of all then, Lord, there are so many things that we want in a hurry. and We do it by all means, at all costs. God, that leads us away from you too, leads us to greater anxiety and despair. Father, we want to learn to do it your way even when it costs us a lot. We want to do it your way even when it means giving way to others. We want to do it your way, Lord, even when it means being a servant to one another. At home when we serve our husbands and wives and our parents and our brothers and sisters. At work or in school when we serve one another. Teach us truly how to be servants and have the faith to believe that when we do this, indeed, Lord, the meek will inherit the earth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.